Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. As a kid, I took every opportunity I could to not go to school. As an adult, I sort of regret this, and at the same time, I don't, because I got to spend a lot more time at home with my mom, and I also got to enjoy a whole lot of great daytime television. In addition to showing reruns most of the day, which I loved, they would also show game shows, and I became a game show fanatic at a young age. And the 80s were a great time for game shows. Almost every year, new ones would show up, many of them not lasting, but a few managed to break through. In 1983, the TV show Press Your Luck premiered on television, and I fell in love instantly. I loved the gameplay, I loved the whammies, everything about it was great. What I didn't realize is that I wasn't alone. My whole neighborhood got Press Your Luck fever. Not just the kids, but also the adults. Everyone was talking about this new show. Needless to say, the most important sort of cultural exchange that happened from the show was the whammy itself. and. People would frequently reference the whammy if they didn't want to have something bad happen to them. Like in the show, when they would say no whammies, no whammies. My friends and I took that to, of course, perverse levels of use, throwing it into daily conversation as often as possible. The whammies became so pervasive that I even worked them into my Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Now I had gone through a gremlin phase in Dungeons and Dragons as well, but the whammies were different than the gremlins in that Gremlins caused general mischief, but I used whammies to just steal money constantly. So these were basically money demons who would come in and steal your stuff. Very annoying, but a lot of fun. Any good TV show goes beyond entertainment and should become a part of your life. Something that you reference, something you think about when it's not on. Pressure Luck covered all those bases. And oddly enough, despite its cultural influence, it wasn't on very long. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about Pressure Luck. We'll talk about the people behind the camera, we'll talk about its influences, we'll talk about some controversy, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. Pressure Luck sprung from the fertile mind of Bill Carruthers and Jan McCormick. Carruthers was born in Detroit, served in the Air Force, and then started working in television locally in Detroit before moving into game shows. And he started in game shows on the Ernie Kovacs-hosted show Take a Good Look. He would then go on to bigger shows, namely The Newlywed Game and The Dating Game. 
before starting his own production company in 68. Jan McCormick was a writer, also a TV show creator, and they would work on a show called Second Chance in 1977. Now, if you've not seen Second Chance, you'd be surprised how similar it is to Pressure Luck. Basically, Pressure Luck is a remake of the TV show Second Chance. Maybe some minor differences, maybe the biggest difference is there's no whammies. Instead, they used devils. Second Chance debuted in March of 1977. And Miriam Michelle, a single teacher who has a master's degree in psychology. And each of them will be risking everything every time they play Second Chance. And now, here's the man who gives everyone a second chance, Jim Peck. Unfortunately, it premiered opposite news programs at noon, and then a soap opera that was coming into its own, The Young and the Restless. This doomed The Young Show, and after 19 weeks, they pulled the plug. There are one or two episodes of Second Chance on YouTube right now, so if you want to check it out, you'll see this is very similar to Pressure Luck. While it's not great that Second Chance didn't make it, if Second Chance hadn't failed, we would not have Pressure Luck and those delightful whammies. Pressure Luck was taped before a live audience at CBS Television Studios out in beautiful Hollywood, California. Now, they would produce a lot of these shows all at one time. Every other weekend, they would tape 10 to 12 episodes. Two people are on camera. You have Peter Tamarkin, who was the host, and Rod Roddy, who was the main announcer for the show. Although, at other times, John Harlan and Charlie O'Donnell would fill in as a substitute announcer. Peter David Tamarkin... Born in 1942, he passed away in 2006, probably best known for Pressure Luck. Started out in advertising before moving into television. And he was running a charity to help people get to hospitals that were far away. He would fly them himself, and unfortunately, he passed away in a plane crash. Robert Ray Rod Roddy, that's a fun name to say, passed away in 2003. Television announcer, probably best known not for Pressure Luck, but for The Price is Right. Roddy had succeeded Olsen, who was the original announcer on The Price is Right, and he held the role from 86 until 2003. Occasionally on both shows, Pressure Luck and Price is Right, Roddy would actually appear on camera. After these messages, we'll be right back. Inside your home, there are thousands of places bugs can hide, back where foggers can't reach. But Raid Fumigator can. Watch. Wet aerosol foggers spray up, then down. But Raid Fumigator is clean, dry, insecticide smoke with twice the penetrating power to kill twice as many bugs dead. Raid! Raid Fumigator penetrates, fumigates, kills twice as many bugs dead. And now, back to the show. There were multiple phases to a press your luck game. The first part is the trivia, and people would answer trivia questions to earn spins. And then you would take those spins and accumulate money and prizes. And whoever amassed the highest total in cash and prizes would be able to keep their winnings for the day. Each show had three contestants, where you would often have a returning champion and two challengers. If a champion was retired, undefeated, then we would have three all-new people showing up to play. It was a strange way of doing trivia. A question would be posed to the players, and then they would try to be the first person to buzz in with a correct answer. 
and then they would just say an answer and then the host would give a multiple choice for two additional answers so if the first person who buzzed in got it right they would get three spins and anyone who agreed with them would get one if none of the three contestants buzzed in with an answer then three answers were given and the contestants could potentially earn one spin each on a rare occasion a contestant would buzz in and not give an answer if they did that they were locked out of that question after four questions they moved to the big board and the board consisted of 18 squares and it would randomly jump around maybe not so randomly which we'll talk about a little later and you would hit a button when you wanted it to stop and where it stopped depended on what prize you got. Sometimes you'd earn extra spins, and then other times you'd land on a whammy. If you landed on a whammy, the whammy took all your stuff. And then if you had four whammies, you were out of the game. Now there was some strategy here because you could actually pass your spins to other people in the hope that they would get whammies. And that's what made Pressure Luck so compelling. There were lots of games that were being played, and depending on the person playing, you could get a completely different play style. So they would do two trivia rounds, play through. The contestant who was winning at the end of the second big board round would become the champion, and they would get to keep their winnings and return on the next show. On rare occasions, there actually would be ties, and both contestants would be brought back. If all the contestants managed to whammy out, as they say, then there would be no winner, and then the next show, there would be three new contestants. Scoring in the game is pretty simple. In the first round, cash amounts range from $1,000 to $1,500, and usually low money value prizes. Then during the second round, you can get up to $5,000, and some of the prizes, upwards of $7,000. In both big board rounds, there was one special square called the Big Bucks Square. If you got that, you would automatically be moved to the top dollar value. Now, as I mentioned, you could retire as a champ, and you got that through two ways. One, you play for five games and win every time. And then the other way is to get to the winnings cap that they had. And that was any time you made over $25,000. That would be upped later on to $50,000. So a good amount of money for the 80s. At one point, they introduced the home player spin, which they would draw a card. You sent a postcard into the studio and they would draw it and then... The person would spin, and on that spin, whatever you won, the home contestant would win as well. I'm pretty sure that I actually sent a postcard in for this. Unfortunately, I was never called on. Arguably, the biggest star of this show was the Whammy themselves. And the Whammies are pretty adorable. And they were voiced by Bill Carruthers, producer, creator, and animated by Bill Cop and Savage Steve Holland. Steve Holland, director, writer, you might know him from... One Crazy Summer, and Better Off Dead. Bill Kopp is a writer and actor. He worked on Eek the Cat, Better Off Dead, and was also an animator for the Tracy Ullman Show, where for one season, he worked on these stupid little cartoons called The Simpsons, then decided to leave. Interesting choice. After these messages, we'll be right back. I want a thrill, I want a wild taste, and all I want to know, I want a pop-up. 
now, back to the show. The show ran for three seasons, which seems really short, but that's a staggering amount of entertainment. You get 758 episodes taped in those three seasons. The show was doing pretty well. It would edge out its time slot competitor, which was another show that I really liked called Sale of the Century. In 1984, the show reached its peak ratings, and then from there on, ratings began to slip, and Sale of the Century started to become a lot more popular. In 1986, the show was moved to the afternoon to make room for the revival of Card Sharks, and ratings slipped even more. And the show unfortunately ended in July of 1986, with four weeks of the show left unaired. In 1987, 130 episodes of the show were packaged, and it started to run in off-network syndication. Game Show Network, may I help you? Yes, Peter Tamarkin here. Your what hurts? Tamarkin. I'm a game show host. I'm sorry, auditions aren't until next week. Uh, big bucks, no whammies? Peter Tamarkin, press your luck. Big bucks, no whammies, no whammies. Works every time. The original Press Your Luck, today at 9.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. No whammies, no whammies. The Game Show Network aired the show from September 2001 to 2009 airing episodes that ran from 1984 to 1985. Then in 2012, they started re-airing it again. Then just in December, the show was brought back as part of their new Saturday evening classic game show block. If you have Amazon Prime or access to the over-the-air subchannel Buzzer, which sits in those weird channels where you have an over-the-air broadcasting channel and then it has a secondary or even a tertiary channel attached to it, you can get a channel called Buzzer, which runs older game shows. Let's talk theme songs. In the pilot of the show, there was a theme called Flash, which was composed by Keith Mansfield. Then, Lee Ringette was brought in to do a loosely based remix, and that one went something like this. Ringette has some game show credits, including the new Newlywed game, Pressure Luck, and the all-new Dating game. Pressure Luck was not without controversy, and that controversy took the form of Michael Larson. In 1984, Michael Larson figured out the pattern of the board of Pressure Luck, and he was able to figure out how to stop the board where he wanted. You should watch Larson in action. When he starts playing, he initially gets a whammy, but then he plays 45 consecutive spins without hitting another one. That game ran for so long that CBS had to air it in two parts. And in the end, he would earn a total of $110,000 in cash and prizes, which was the single most amount of cash and prizes won by a contestant on a daytime network game show, adjusted for inflation. CBS was shocked, and they investigated Larson, but determined he didn't really cheat. He had just figured out a pattern, and they let him keep his winnings. The board was subsequently changed, and new patterns were added to help prevent other contestants from doing the same. If you're into this sort of stuff, and it is a pretty fascinating story, there have been some documentaries made about this. A two-hour documentary on GSN titled Big Bucks, The Press Your Luck Scandal. In 2018, GSN started a documentary series called Cover Story, and this Press Your Luck story was the first subject that they covered. Seems like this would be a pretty good movie, actually. Set in the 80s, unemployed ice cream truck driver, trying to make it big, figures out a pattern, a lot of tension. I'd watch that movie. 
Unsurprisingly, for an amazing show, there was a reboot in 2002. A new version called Whammy, the all-new Pressure Luck, premiered. It was hosted by Todd Newton, and Gary Kroger was the announcer. It premiered on the Game Show Network, had a very short run. There were some changes to the aesthetics. I had access to GSN at the time, and I did watch it. Although, to me, it didn't really capture the original something that the original Pressure Luck had. I usually draw the big heads and the little bodies, but one of them already had a big head and a little body. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, who won the 1998 Daytona 500? I said Bobby Labonte. Wrong. Came in second. And they threw that pizza dough in your face? Took all your money? Yeah, but they sat for a portrait. That's the whammy, all right. You're good. Hey, how about drawing the two of us in a speedboat? Kind of a crocodile and tubs Miami Vice thing. I don't know how to draw a speedboat. That's yeah, just like a banana, but hollowed out. Watch out. It's back. Whammy, the all-new Pressure Luck. Premiering April 15th, only on Game Show Network. Turn to the left. There have been versions of Pressure Lock produced in multiple countries, Australia, England, Chile, Germany, the Philippines. So Pressure Lock in some ways is a bit of a global phenomenon. And to be a true phenomenon, you need to transcend your original medium, which Pressure Lock did. There have been video games. The one that I'm most familiar with was the 1988 Commodore 64 release by Game Tech. But in the 2000s, Ubisoft released an adaptation called Pressure Luck 2010 edition. If you're a gambler, there was a slot machine edition of Pressure Luck. This was all new to me. Not a big gambler, but I went online and found them. Fun to watch. Makes kind of sense that you could create a gambling machine out of Pressure Luck pretty easily. Remember when DVD games were very popular? Well, they also made Whammy, the new version of Pressure Luck, into a DVD game in 2006. In addition to that, there was a handheld game, a version of it on Facebook, and of course, innumerable apps that keep getting thrown out into the world to keep the idea of Pressure Luck alive. Pressure Luck had a very short run, but it kind of has an outsized presence, and I think that's mostly because the whammies were so good. For a kid who likes staying home, who could hang out with his mom, pretend to be sick, and watch a little something that they could both enjoy, it was very magical. Fortunately, the show is available in its original format. You don't need to watch the remake or wait for them to make some new ones. So next time you're at home, maybe from work, maybe from school, and you want to watch something that's a lot of fun, turn on the Game Show Network, perhaps Buzzer, maybe YouTube, and watch Press Your Luck. Guarantee you'll have a lot of fun doing so. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist.com. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you can tell Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Why would they say stop when they're just hitting the button anyway? I wonder if they were told to do that. If I was a contestant, I would say absolutely nothing. Just silently stare at the board and hit the button and look very intensely at the camera. I would have been a pressure luck legend. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.